You are about to experience The Pint, a freewheeling discussion of craft beer, craft spirits, and the law. The Pint is brought to you by the attorneys of Moy White, a full-service law firm located in Denver, Colorado. For more information, visit moywhite.com. And now, let's have a pint. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the lovely Moy White Wellness Room. It's bright and early on a Monday morning. Um, for those of you just tuning in, we are having some technical difficulties. We are actually doing this on my phone rather than on our usual things. So if the uh, transmission's a little twitchy, uh, the equipment hasn't had its coffee on this Monday morning. But uh, I'm uh, Billy Jones, and we're back here today with another one of my partners, Craig Kanabi, who is going to talk a little about distribution agreements. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm good. How Have you had you? enough coffee on Monday morning? You ready to go? About two-thirds of the way through my... Uh Nitro cold brew, so I think I'm going to be okay for the next three, four hours. Right. Stock back up later this afternoon. We, w- we will try to stay under the three-hour mark. So uh, anyways, uh, so before we get going, Craig, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about you and more specifically how you got into dealing with uh, brewing and distilling issues. Sure. So uh, I am a partner in the brewing and distilling group and have been practicing for quite some time. Started off in this area with a uh, large restaurant chain uh, many years ago that had liquor licenses in every restaurant in every state. So had a a ton of exposure to the various state laws, working with local liquor council in other states and just helping this company through all the crazy laws that are out there uh, get liquor licenses for all their restaurants. And I I take it you enjoyed that so much that you uh, kept doing it? (laughs) <laughs> I did. It just kind of morphed from there. What what happens in law is you, you start to do something and then you become the expert, even if you aren't quite at that point. I was a, a first, second year and just still getting my feet wet, but uh, that's kind of what happens. So, yeah. And for those of you who haven't met Craig, he's also a rabid Arizona basketball fan, so f- feel free to send uh, uh, comments in the comments uh, if that's something you'd like to comment on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about distribution today. Uh, it can be a little dry, so we'll try to keep everyone awake. But, um, you know, uh, distribution is something that uh, most brewers have to deal with at some point. Um, many of them uh, struggle with how to do it, where to do it, um, you know, when to start distributing outside of the taproom setup. So before we get into all that, I guess let's start with what the legal framework is. So when you're talking about distribution, uh, Craig, you're talking about beer franchise laws. And why don't you tell uh, everyone what those are? Yeah, so what what you're looking at is, you know, as a small uh, startup brewery, you're probably doing a lot of uh, distribution on your own. But at some point, you're going to grow to be large enough where you can't do it all. Um, You want to focus on what you're good at, which is brewing beer, distributing beer, selling beer, dealing with retailers. That becomes quite difficult. So you look to get into a relationship with someone who's a pro in that area. And so you're dealing with distributors. Unfortunately, for small brewers, there are uh, there's a framework of laws, and uh, they are called the beer franchise laws. You do have to deal with those. There's really uh, it, it depends on the state; it varies, but you're gonna you're gonna have issues that you need to address. Uh, these laws are meant to protect distributors, so they will require that a territory be you know exclusive. Maybe there are 
restrictions on transfer. Uh, a couple other things that uh, are common would be procedure relating to termination. So if there is going to be a termination of your relationship, uh, the brewer needs to show good cause, and that will vary uh, from state to state. And then lastly, um, there could be other protections, dispute resolution. So if you, if you do get into a fight with a distributor, uh, let's say you're wrong, the penalties might be severe. And uh, the reason I'm not getting more specific is that you are dealing with a, an inconsistent framework of law across the country. So let's get into that a little more. So, so beer franchise laws are, are state-level laws, right? That's right. So you may have one set of restrictions in Texas, a different set of restrictions in California, a different set of restrictions in Colorado, right? That's exactly right. And so it becomes important because, you know, in any relationship that's, that's important to you, this will be one that's very important. You need to know what you're getting into before you get into it and uh, do everything you can to make sure you are behaving appropriately. And then if things do start to go wrong, you know, start to go badly, how do you go about uh, potentially getting out of the relationship or uh, driving it to a more uh, positive, driving it in a more positive direction? And it's important to understand what your rights are, but as well, you know, what, what are the rights of the other side, the distributor? So the, from what you're saying, these uh, franchise laws in various states are essentially designed to protect the distributor. Is that a pretty good high-level summary? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So for someone who's a uh, startup or you're a brewer, you're just getting to the point where you need to distribute throughout a state or, or maybe in a different state, it might seem a little insane that there's a whole set of laws that are designed to protect these distributors. Um, when Especially when you're getting started, the distributors may have a lot more uh, of the experience in the area, a lot more economic leverage. I mean, why in the world would there be this need for a patchwork of, of uh, state laws to protect distributors? You know, it's, that's a good question. And, and it really goes back to when the laws came into being. And you're, you're looking at, anytime you're looking at something that, that's an imbalance in the relationship, uh, you're going to have your, your state legislatures looking to protect the more vulnerable at the time, that was the distributors. So you had big, powerful brewers that were potentially uh, the party with all the leverage. And so these poor distributors needed to be protected. So the idea being, if you are a distributor, you're signing up to uh, distribute product, you, you, know, you might be hiring staff, spending a bunch of money, uh, really going all in because you want to do a good job. You don't want to see the brewer pull the rug out from underneath you. So these laws came into being to protect the distributor from, you know, those bad situations. Now things have changed and yeah, the imbalance is, is not there anymore. It's interesting to, when, to think about historically, I mean, you have a set of laws that are designed to protect these poor distributors from Budweiser. Um, and now with the fragmentation, with more participants, more people looking to distribute craft beers throughout the country, all of a sudden the distributors are uh, uh, probably a little overprotected. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, some of these distributors can be quite large. Um, there's consolidation. Uh, there are, you know, th there's a shift in the balance. So the laws and their effectiveness, you know, may, it may put you on the, the other side. So I guess let's, uh, let's talk about uh, the hypothetical brewery, uh, Craig, Craig Kanabi Brews Beer .com, um, or whatever it is we want to call your, your new brewery. 
as you're looking to expand and you need a distributor, you got to start with, you know, trying to find someone. So what are the kind of things you as a producer can look for in a distributor to try to find the right fit, the right relationship? You know, I think it's it's really no different than any other situation that's, that's important to you. Uh, it could be, you know, another area of your business. Um, it could be something totally unrelated to brewing, which is, you know, what's what's important is the relationship. So you need to do your homework. And that's really what a lot of this boils down to. You need to understand who you're going to be working with because that relationship is so key especially if they're going to have an exclusive territory and be the face of your brand with retailers and whatnot. So you're going to want to uh, talk to the retailers, see if your distributor that you're looking at uh, is good for them to deal with. Um, talk to other uh, brewers that are like you that uh, are potentially using a distributor you're looking at. Understand how that distributor behaves, how they work what sort of attention they give your brand. Um, what are they doing to promote you? Uh, is, is this a large, large distributor where you're going to be a very, very small piece of their, their brand they, they, or of their portfolio? They're not going to pay as much attention to your brand. So you, you just have to think about a lot, of, a lot of it's very logical, but really important to do your research. You know, it's funny, it's, uh, distributors are obviously a topic that gets brought up a lot. And uh, anytime you get together with uh, brewers or at the Brewers Guild meetings, and it's amazing how um, much I hear over and over the same thing, which is you have to, it's, it's a relationship. You have to find the right distributor who gets you, gets your products, you get them and have kind of an alignment of interests. Um, and it's amazing how many people, when things start to go wrong, say the exact opposite, which is I was expecting this, they were expecting that. And, um, you know, a lot of it relates to the fact that these relationships are, because of some of the beer franchise laws and other reasons, they're, they're long-term relationships, right? Um, you know, folks don't just sign up with a distributor for a month, month and a half, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, you're probably, you're probably getting into the relationship for at least a couple of years. So you need to make sure you, you know find that right party on the other side because, you know, they, your interest should be aligned. You know, it's a partnership. People analogize it to a marriage about being very careful uh, who, who you end up marrying because you're going to be together for quite a long time. No, that's exactly right. With the laws, you, you may have a hard, hard time getting out of the relationship. So the best, the best approach, as I was saying before, is do your research and really understand this, this partner that you're uh, looking to uh, lock up as your distributor and make sure it's the right, you know, party for you. Yeah. So um, you've identified a distributor, you're starting to talk about having them distribute your product and you're getting to the point where, you know, written documents, contracts are starting to fly back and forth. What, what types of things are you going to expect to see in that contract? And if we have to be somewhat specific, we'll talk Colorado because that's where we are. Um, you know, what are the kind of things you're going to be seeing as a brewer that you need to be looking out for in those documents and make sure that, hey, they're right for you and right for the relationship? Yeah, I think, you know, a question that I, I often hear is, do I even need a contract in the first place? Because there are all these laws out there. What does it matter? What does it do for me to have a contract? Um, those laws are going to trump uh, the contract. You know, it is true. You can't contract around them, but... Here, here's the danger with the approach of not having an agreement. If you have something, well, hey, let's, let's step back. You know, if you have an oral understanding, that is an agreement. 
script and then you are looking at something that's, you know, not very specific, not in writing. You're looking at, you know, the, the conduct of the parties. Uh, the structure, is, you know, the relationship is not set. So having a contract that's written is often very important. And, and it's really no different in other areas of law. Um, well, I can tell you, as a lawyer who tries cases, uh, there's nothing more wonderfully expensive for the lawyers than a good, hey, he said, she said. Um, because those cases tend to go all the way uh, with all the costs that are attendant to it. So having having something in writing can often help to uh, short circuit uh, your dispute resolution in a way that ultimately ends up costing you less, whether you're right or you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, with, with a contract, now you may not be able to get around what's in the state statutes, the, the beer franchise laws. But what you do get an opportunity to do is, is set expectations and make sure that Everyone knows uh, how the relationship is supposed to work because you. It, I, I tell clients this all the time: having a a poor contract or no contract is all. And what I mean is not a written contract. It it, it makes it harder down the road when you say, "Well, we we agreed to do X, Y, and Z," or we understood that this is the way this should work. The other party, especially if it's getting contentious, will will disagree with you almost certainly. So having something in writing that sets forth, this is what we expect from you. This is what they expect from, from us. And, and making sure that there's a clear understanding is, is nine times out of 10, 90 times, probably 99 out of 100 going to benefit you uh, in the long run because it'll also help avoid disputes because everyone knows what they signed up to do. So what are the kind of factors you would expect to see when you get a distribution Agreement. I mean, what are the topics where you're going to have to reach that common understanding? What what, what types of things yeah. are out there? Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's most important is you are expecting a, a brewer or a distributor to do something specific for your brewery, which is go out into the marketplace, uh, sell your brand, uh, promote your brand, and and do various things to help you succeed uh, on, on the sales side. So. What we think is a, a great idea, um, which is not uncommon in distribution agreements, is to have an annual business plan, which you know talks about those types of things. You know how many times uh, folks from the distributor are going to to visit a retailer, um, promote your brand, you know, point of sale materials, wh- whatever the case may be. You want to have that active relationship, and having that business plan. The, the, what you'll do is you'll you'll have meetings with the uh, with the distributor over the course of your agreement, and you'll update that business plan. So it turns it into a little more of a living you know document, so that this relationship uh, you know can can morph as needed to uh, to be successful. So that's that's some of the stuff you're going to look at. Um, you know, you're going to want to set forth really clearly in those expectations as much as you can what you're expecting the distributor to do. And a big part of that, I mean, the main part of it is you want them to do certain things to promote your brand. But if they're not doing those things and you want to make sure that uh, we get the relationship back on track, it's much better to be able to point to something in the agreement and say, you you guys agreed to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to have a number of visits over the course of the the year you are going to go visit, um, you know, accounts over the year. You're going to establish, um, you know, 
other locations where we would sell, where, where our beer would be sold. That's the kind of stuff that you'd want to look at. So in a nutshell, you just want to have this be an active relationship with very clear expectations, which then also creates levers later on. If you say, hey, this isn't working out, and here are the things that where you're falling short, and you start to you know, address the, the issues from that standpoint. So what kind of let, let's talk about that for a minute because you know obviously everyone uh, goes into these relationships hoping for the best and um, it, you know you hear from a variety of people uh, who end up having disputes with their distributors that uh, you know they kind of signed the agreement and then figure that was the distributor's job and then a year or two later they looked up and said well wait a minute they're not doing what they're supposed to do so. You know, what What are some factors and things you can keep an eye out for? Red flags that, hey, things may not be going the way I want them to go. And, and what are we going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, I think that if the relationship is starting to falter, um, if you start to see issues in the relationship and the distributor's performance, the, the main thing is you don't want to develop a strategy. You don't want to uh, approach this and be reactive every time something happens you you're reacting to the situation so what is your strategy um you want to be very deliberate about that because you're going to want to execute on that strategy it's much much easier to reach success if you have something lined out you start following that strategy and and approach the problem that way um well and you have actually have to be very attentive to the fact that you know if things aren't going well you might be heading towards a dispute you might be heading towards lawyers you might be heading towards lawsuits and you have to think about how you conduct yourself when you kind of reach that point right no that's exactly right and you know in going that direction the first thing you're going to do is you're going to look at your contract um oftentimes we we talk to clients and uh Contracts are, are put together, and uh, as long as the relationship's going well, no one looks at the contract. It's, it's based on how you're performing. As soon as things go bad, as soon as things are faltering, that's when people pick up the contract, start looking at it, start talking to us. Um, that's, that's where you want to understand what are your rights. You, you also want to understand what, what are your limitations in whatever state you're in. Uh, what does good cause mean if we're looking to potentially go a different direction. Um, those are the types of things you're going to want to look at kind of as your, your, your research, your strategy in dealing with the dispute. Um, as you start to work with, you know, through that, you want to make sure that your team understands how they should and should not behave uh, with respect to the distributor. Things are getting a little potentially uh, off the rails or, or even contentious. Um, it's it's good to keep the lines of communication open, um, but I think the, the right people also need to be on each end of those communications. So, you know, make sure people know what they should and should not be doing. I will tell you as a as a trial person, um, especially with the ease of electronic communications with text and and email, us, uh, you know, when things start to get a little heated, it's amazing what people will put into those communications and send across in the heat of the moment. Uh, and it's amazing how much damage those things can ultimately do if you do end up in a dispute. So, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to pinpoint the moment where things go wrong. But if you start to get that feeling, it's really important to keep in mind that all those communications need to be done in a way that if they end up on a screen two years from now in front of a jury, uh, you're not kicking yourself and going, wow, I wish I hadn't said that or done that. Because, um, you know, those really are the communications that can ultimately cost you money, uh, which is what they end up doing. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, you want to avoid being in that situation, uh, just, just being in you know, litigation in the first place. What do you mean? Litigation's great. Everyone <laughs> should do that all the time, right? As a, as a transactional lawyer, that's what I'm trying to help my clients avoid. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I think overall, by by being professional, understanding what the contract says, understanding the law, um, understanding the expectations and, and and what was supposed to be done, you, you want to address issues early on. Um, you want to communicate about them. Sometimes those things are uncomfortable. Sometimes the hardest things are. You know, doing the right thing is, is the hardest thing. You want to make sure you're you're addressing the issue straight on. Go at it. Uh, don't don't go away from it. And that's going to help you hopefully avoid that dispute. You know, it, it may be something that leads you to separate and and go different directions. Uh, this is where your contract is going to be more to your benefit, not not a detriment. I mean, while while the laws protect the distributor. Putting the expectations into the agreement is going to help you establish that, hey, you know, distributor, you didn't do the things you agreed to do. That's a breach of the agreement. And that's we agreed that was a, a you know, it was a material uh, agreement and you breached that term. And as you start to work through that process, this is where we come into play. You want to make sure you're papering it and, and following, uh, you know, a a strategy, like I said, that you set up on the front end so that you can reach the, you know, the ultimate result you want, whether it's getting out of the relationship, getting things back on track, transferring uh, the relationship to another distributor. There are a lot of different things you can do, but you want to have a strategy to get you to the right spot. So let's talk about lawyers for a minute. So when, uh, you know, when you have this process with the distributor, it seems like there really are two kind of time frames where it's most important to get your get a lawyer involved or, or talk to a lawyer. You know, the first is probably when you're negotiating and signing that contract, right? Because I would imagine if the distributor just hands you this and says, hey, this is our form and sign it, that might be the kind of thing where at a minimum you need to understand, hey, here's what we're signing up for. And at a maximum, you might want to push back and talk about putting in some terms that protect the, the, the brewer. No, that's exactly right. Um, I don't know how many times I've, you know signed up a new client and uh, they, they say, hey, we've got a problem. Um, here's our agreement. And one of the things I look at is, well, what do we negotiate? How do we get some protections here? And oftentimes in those situations, that wasn't done on the front end. It becomes a very expensive problem later on. I know lawyers aren't cheap. I get it. I, I, I totally understand that. Um, but it is an investment on the front end. And you put... You, you may be dealing with a distributor with far more leverage than you, but you're going to be able to get the really nasty stuff out of an agreement. Um, you know, if, if, if reading contracts is not your thing, is not your area of expertise, you're going to potentially miss some of these things um, or, or you're going to fall asleep reading halfway through the agreement and or tailing off at the end and there's something nasty at the end. So you want to know what you're signing. You should always want to know what you're signing. Uh, even if it's not a you know distribution agreement, whatever you're doing, but um, that's that's where you want to protect yourself on the front end. Now, if if you do that, I think your disputes down the road, your issues down the road are going to be far more manageable. But that's again the, the the second point, which is when things are either off the rails or you get the feeling that things might be going off the rails. 
Um, you know, that's another time to get a lawyer involved because they can look through the contract that you signed, uh, maybe uh, to your benefit, maybe to your detriment, let you know what the landscape is and then talk to you about strategies for solving the problem. So that's usually the best time to weave us in, uh, you know, just in case you don't want to be talking to us every day. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, if uh, things are starting to get a little squirrely and uh, faltering a bit, getting someone involved who can help you develop that strategy uh, having a lawyer in your court, then you want to establish a a paper trail as you're working through those issues, so that if you do need to establish good cause, if you do need to show um, uh, how the distributor is not performing up to uh, their their obligations, um, you have that papered over time. Because again, a lot of this stuff could become evidence in a, a dispute down the road. You want to put yourself in the best position possible. It's it's something that you know my wife and I always talk to our kids about it. You know, setting you up for success, and that's what it comes down to. Um, it, you don't always know what you're dealing with. Um, if this isn't what you do, you know, as as a profession or, or you know fairly regularly. So these are uh, these are important documents and important contracts, and they're they're definitely something that uh, uh, brewers sometimes struggle with. So, uh, Craig, thanks for walking us through some of these things. Before we go, uh, we we ask this of everybody on there: what uh, what are you drinking these days? Other than my uh, nitro other than your nitro brew? coffee, you're trying to get through Monday morning with. <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, you know I think recently some Station Twenty Six and uh, Four Noses mm-hmm. has been probably what I've what I've had more recently, but uh, I've had a lot of long nights doing work and that sort of thing. So coffee has been more, uh, more involved. More in on my, point. Yeah. Which I, I want to get that shifted back the other direction. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Craig, thank you so much for uh, coming on and I hope everyone enjoyed another episode here and we will uh, see you all the next time on the more white brewing and distilling pot.